0: Today, Dr. Ruth continues with more teaching out of the book of Deuteronomy.
1: Hallelujah! This is Dr. Ruth. I am glad you are learning a lot today. As we continue our study in the book of Deuteronomy, in today's episode, we begin with Deuteronomy chapter 12 so what is the gist of this chapter in this chapter Moses will continue to expound or teach on the laws he had received from the Lord he would expand and teach the second generation Israelites in preparation for their entry into the promised land So, the gist here is that the Lord would really highlight how the Israelites should worship him in a specific area or in specific places that him, God, would designate. The principle is that you have to keep in mind the Israelites are getting into a very pagan nation and it came from a pagan nation out of Egypt. So the pagan nations had multiple altars where they worshiped their multiple gods. So the true living God was reminding, reiterating to the Israelites that when you go into the promised land, you have to worship me Only in one specific place as I direct you. That was all part of setting them apart as his holy people. Okay, so that is the gist of that chapter. Let us get into it right away. Let us begin with verse 1 out of Deuteronomy chapter 12. Hopefully you have your Bibles opened or if you are driving, you can just listen. Okay, verse 1. These... At the decrees and laws, you must be careful to follow in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess, as long as you live in the land. Verse 2, destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills, and under Every spreading tree where the nations you are disposing worship their gods. Already, even before the Lord gives them specific instructions how and where to worship, the Lord is already reminding them that, hey, I am going to use you as the instrument to bring judgment to these pagan nations that a demon possesses. Essentially, I talked about that already in preceding chapters. So, here Moses is reiterating how when they get into the promised land, they are to have no pity, no mercy towards these idol altars or towards the idol worship that goes on there. They should demolish and break down their idol altars. Okay, verse 3, break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and burn the Asherah poles in the fire. I talked about this earlier, the Asherah poles, the uh, that was one of the goddesses or one of the gods of the Canaanites. And as part of the altar and as part of their worship, they had built like poles, okay, that was part of their idolatry worship so here uh, the lord is giving the israelites instructions to get there and demolish it cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places boy god is giving a specific instructions boy that has not changed today except God is not going to use us as an instrument to physically attack or kill anybody. No, that is not going to happen because Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of these Old Testament laws, plus Jesus Christ took upon his sinless, uh, took upon rather on his sinless body, all of the sins of the entire world. So God has already dealt with sin through the death, uh, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But today, we still have an enemy that you know, obviously, obviously, called the devil. And the devil will still attempt to deceive us through lies through planting ungodly thoughts into our minds, deceiving us through friends, through family members. So we still have the same instructions from the Lord to stand up in the name of Jesus and demolish the lies of the enemy. And we do that today today as New Testament believers through what is called spiritual warfare because now the battle is in your mind. And the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 6 in the New Testament and many other books and scriptures in the New Testament teaches us how to overcome the lies and deception of the enemies, or enemy rather, and we do that today. By speaking forth the truths in the Word of God, we overcome the lies and deception of the enemy by speaking forth God's truths as found in his word. Going back to Ephesians chapter 6, we are to put on the full armor of God, which includes knowing the truth, truths in his word. We are to put on, our shield of faith. Stand up in faith in the name of the Lord, and we have to to be persistent in prayer to overcome the lies of the enemy. And then in Second Corinthians ten, we are also told to demolish the lies of the enemy, and we have to we are to cast down any ungodly imaginations, hold every thought captive, and make it obedient to Christ. Essentially, we have to evaluate our thinking patterns. We have to evaluate all of the thoughts that are coming at us. Are these thoughts from the enemy? Are these thoughts from God? And if a thought is coming at you or if your thinking pattern is not Aligning or if it is not consistent with the truth in the word of God, then you have to stand up in the name of Jesus and cast down that imagination, cast down that lie and deception from the enemy, scatter it, use your mouth as a weapon to demolish the lies and deception from the enemy. So the principle is the same today, except it is a spiritual warfare in your mind where you have the tools, the word of God to fight the enemy. So again, the same principle. Going back to verse 4. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. Exactly like what I was saying in regards to the gist of this chapter. The Lord would give them specific instructions how they have to worship him, again, setting them apart from the pagan nations. Verse 5, But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. There, that is verse 6, Bring your bond offerings and sacrifices, your thighs and special gifts what you have vowed to give and your free will offerings and the firstborn of your heads and flocks. And there, this is verse 7, in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your families will eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. Again, Moses just are teaching them how they have to worship the Lord in a specific place. And it is in that specific place where they would take their special offerings and sacrifices to the Lord. And then the Lord would accept that. Again, setting them apart, teaching them how to worship God in a place that God would choose for them. Okay, now verses 8 all the way to verse 14 is actually just explaining how they have to do things in accordance with God's law. When they cross over to the promised land, they have to be obedient to the laws. You can read those verses there. And then we come to verse 11. Moses just went on to reiterate that uh, the Lord would choose a special place where they would bring their offerings and their sacrifices and their fighting over there. Again, reiterating and repeating what we just went over in the preceding verses. And in verse 12, he is just telling them there that in that special place that the Lord would Uh, choose for them to worship him. They are to rejoice there. Their entire families are to celebrate in that special place. And in verse 13, uh, he went on to say, Be careful not to sacrifice your bond offerings anywhere you please. Again, reminding them from what he had just explained, that they, they are only to offer their sacrifices to the Lord in a special place. Verse 14, offer them only at the place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. Again, reiterating the importance of obedience, setting them apart from the pagan nations or nations rather. And in verse uh, 15, uh, he went on to explain to them. That, uh, nevertheless, you may slaughter your animals in any of your towns and eat as much of the meat as you want, as if it were uh, gazelle or deer, according to the blessing the Lord your God gives you. I wanted to just read that out loud because here we see the Lord telling them to enjoy their blessings in accordance with how he has blessed them. Really, God wants us to enjoy our blessings. There are Christian Christians today that have been blessed by the Lord, but they have a some kind of inferiority complex to enjoy that, or they are afraid to enjoy their blessings, thinking that it's a sin against the Lord. No. If God has blessed us, He wants us to enjoy that blessing in view of everybody that way others can really see how we serve a very good God there is nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings that you have from the Lord okay and in verse uh, 16 after Moses had told them to freely enjoy their blessings as God has uh, blessed them he went on to explain that but you must not eat the blood, pour it out on the ground like water. Verse 17, you must not eat in your own towns the tithe of your grain and new wine and, and olive oil or the firstborn of your hurt and flocks or whatever you have vowed to give or your freewill offering or a special gift. Verse 18, instead you are to eat them in the presence of the Lord your God at a place the Lord your God will choose. Again, highlighting how they can only eat their blessings out of their heads and the flocks in a specific place, in a specific manner, in accordance with the Lord's instructions. But if you go back to uh, verse 16, where he was reminding them not to eat the blood. We discussed this in the book of Leviticus that they were prohibited from eating the blood from the animal because of various reasons, such as number one, life is in the blood. Okay, we talked about that in the book of Leviticus. And number two, a lot of the pagan nations. In that area and in the uh, promised land where they were heading to go possess, actually ate and or drank blood from animals as part of their rituals or as part of their idolatry worship. So we see the Lord prohibiting them from eating or drinking the blood of the animal So that was the second reason. And uh, of course, the third reason being that he was also setting them apart as holy. All right. And the fourth reason being that, just like we discussed in the book of Leviticus, the animal was used as a sacrifice to the Lord they were not to turn around and eat the blood from the animal that was used as sacrifice to the Lord for their sins so those were some of the reasons why they were prohibited from eating the blood so uh verses 18 all the way to verse 19 Just went on to summarize what I just said. And then if you come down to verse 19, it reads, Be careful not to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. We see here how the Lord was giving them instructions not to ignore the Levites. If you remember, the Levites were dependent upon the thighs and offering from the people in order to care for their own personal needs because the Levites were prohibited from having jobs or they were prohibited from engaging in any sort of business outside of the sanctuary. So God used the people's offerings and tithes to support the Levites and their families. So here we see Moses reminding, the second generation Israelites not to neglect the needs of the Levites. Okay. And uh, this is 20 all the way to 25. Just goes on to highlight again how the Israelites can enjoy the blessings that they've been blessed with from the Lord. In verse 20 there, we are told how if they start to crave for meat, Moses is saying that, in verse 21, he is saying that they can eat as much meat as they want, but it, it can only be done in the place where the Lord would assign for them to eat their offerings essentially highlighting how if the Lord has blessed them, they can as well enjoy the blessing and celebrate, but they have to do that only in the specific place that the Lord would assign for them to offer their sacrifices and eat their offerings. And in verse 23, Moses went on to remind them, but be sure you do not eat the blood because the blood, is the life, just like I had already explained, and you must not eat the life with the meat. Again, I had just explained that for the uh, four reasons which I had just explained. Again, briefly, because life is in the blood. Okay, number two, because the pagan nations ate and drank the blood of animals as part of their idolatry worship, so they were not to eat or drink blood uh, for that reason. Number three, to set them apart from the other pagan nations. And of course, the fourth reason being that the animal and its blood was part of their sacrifices to the Lord. They cannot turn around and eat or drink the blood from the animal that had been sacrificed to the Lord for their sins. Okay, so those verses went on to explain What I just uh, summarized to you as far as not eating or drinking the blood of the animal. In verse 26, Moses just went on to explain what I just summarized to you. But take your consecrated things and whatever you have vowed to to give and to go to the place the Lord will choose. Again, verses 27 is talking about how in this special place where the Lord has chosen, they have to offer their bond offerings there and their sacrifices. And uh, the rest of those verses, even verse 28 is saying the same thing. They have to keep the regulations in order to obey and honor the Lord. We come to verse 29, the Lord your God will cut off before you the nations you are about to invade and and dispose. But when you have driven them out and settled in their land, and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about your gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. Here we see Moses really pre-warning them that when you go into the promised land and you are blessed and you settle there and you destroy their high altars, you destroy their idolatry, uh, sacrificial altars, do not allow yourself to be curious about how the pagan nations worship their gods. Don't do that, because if you did that, you might be tempted. This is so true. There is a popular saying, I don't know if you've heard of it, that curiosity kills the cat. (laughs) You know, so we see Moses telling them that do not even be curious about how these pagan nations worship their gods. Likewise, as New Testament believers, we are not to even consider, we are not to even ponder how the pagans or unbelievers go about doing their things. That is none of our business because there is a general principle that you cannot be tempted with things that you don't think about. So, as New Testament believers, really, we have no business asking ourselves, man, how are these unbelievers becoming so rich? How and why are these unbelievers becoming so successful? What are they really doing? Because when you start to ask such questions, number one, you are not trusting the Lord. Number two, you are not looking unto the Lord as your source of, For success, you are opening yourself to curiosity how the unbelievers go about doing things which brings them success, at least physically. And the moment you start to do that, you would be tempted to start doing things like them. And the moment you start to lean upon your own understanding or lean upon the ways of this world, you would essentially quench the presence and power of God in your life. And the moment you do that, you would open the door for your enemy to start to plant all sorts of ungodly ideas, essentially leading and directing you incorrectly. So you, we have to just avoid temptation. We have to just avoid the, the tendency to be curious with regards to how ungodly people do things we, we should just not even go there because we could lead into tempt we could lead into the temptation of wanting to do things their way and that uh would not please the lord so that is the warning we see moses giving this second generation israelites which is still very applicable to us today like i just explained verse 31 You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. Verse 32, see that you do all I command you, do not add to it or take away from it. Just exactly what I was saying. We see Moses pre-warning these Israelites that when you get into the promised land, don't become tempted or curious to figure out how these pagan nations worship their gods because they did or they, they do detestable things that are horrible to the extent of child sacrifice to please their gods. Don't do that just like God is telling us today. Like I explained, we have no business trying to figure out how unbelievers go about doing things. We know their way is a dead end, even though it may seem right on the surface, but there is no wisdom, there is no insight that will succeed if God is not in it. In other words... Any decision, any plan that is not from God or that is not as led by the Lord is destined to fail. Bottom line. Okay. So uh, again, Moses saying that they should not add or take away from the law. I already explained that, that when people add or take away from God's law, that is heresy and adding to God's. Law, or God's word, is a bondage. It leads to legalism, do's and don'ts. And when people take away from the words of the Lord, people have incomplete knowledge. We should really just trust the word of God as he has revealed it to us. So that brings us to the end of chapter 12. We... Continue right away into chapter 13. The gist of this chapter is, again, a warning to the second generation Israelites against idolatry. Okay, we're going to learn also how the Lord would give them specific instructions with regards to a false prophet. So let us get into it right away. I am in Deuteronomy. Chapter 13, verse 1. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, verse 2. And if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods. In parentheses, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. Verse 3, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Let me pause here. This is powerful. Number one, we see how a false prophet is called a dreamer because it is true. And again, we see the Lord really telling them that even if this prophet or dreamer says something to them, even if what he says takes place, i.e. if it comes to pass, but if that dreamer or false prophet tells them, let us go worship another God, you should not follow The dreamer, or you should not follow the prophet. This is so important because today we have people who want to prophesy to others, but that prophecy is leading people away from the Lord. Already, we are seeing one stipulation or one way we can discern a false prophet, And um, let us continue, and by the end of this chapter, I will go over some signs to watch for, or I will teach you some biblical guidelines how to discern a false prophet. I will get to that in a minute, but for now, let us continue. We come to verse um, 4. It is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. Verse 5. The prophet or dreamer must be put to death. Here we, the Lord is saying that a false prophet, the punishment is death. Because this false prophet is trying to lure the people away from the true living God. Okay, and towards the end there of verse uh, 5, the Lord is saying that the false prophet must be put to death in order to purge the evil from among the people. And we come to verse 6. This is seriousness. Three guidelines about false prophet. Let's read this out loud. If your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love Or your closest friend secretly entices you, saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. Verse 7, gods of the people around you. Wow. The Lord went on to say that no matter how the relative entices them, In verse 8, do not yield to them or listen to them, show them no pity, do not spare them or shield them. This is powerful because a lot of times it is our closest friends, husbands, wives, children, brothers, sisters, relatives or those closest to us that the enemy Satan will use to distract us, to pull us away from the true living God. So God is saying, irregardless of how close you are to this person, even if it is your child, your brother or your sister, if they come to you to tell you to go worship some other God, do not listen to them. Ignore them. And we will learn Soon here, how the Lord would say, stone them to death. This is serious. We should have no pity, even towards relatives, closest friends, who are trying to entice us away from the true living God. This is still applicable today, which is why it is very critical that our best friends are not unbelievers. Our husbands or wives are not unbelievers because they can entice people away from the true living God. This happens every day. So this warning is applicable right now. We come to verse 10. The Lord is saying that that relative, that close friend who is trying to entice you away from me, stone them to death. Wow. Because they tried to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. We come to uh, verse 11. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. You have to understand that, like I have talked about all along, the wages of sin is death. And back then, Like I have said all along, these Old Testament people were not indwelt by the Holy Spirit permanently. The Holy Spirit would fill them for a specific task. And then once that task is completed, the Holy Spirit would depart from them. And God knows all things. God in his omniscience, knew that some of these Old Testament people, even among the Israelites, would not change. They were hardcore hardened towards the things of the Lord. So a lot of times the punishment was death. That is why as we proceed here, we would see the Lord telling Moses to tell the Israelites that some of these detestable deeds, the person committing them must be stoned to death. The person must be put to death because you must purge the evil from among you. And one reason behind that is so people cannot copy that behavior, okay? When that evil person was put to death, either by stoning them, others will see that, and that was supposed to prevent others from copying or imitating that behavior. So the punishment was a righteous final judgment to push the evil from among the Israelites. That is how God dealt with a lot of evil back then. But, of course, today we are not to kill people, like I have often said. Because Jesus Christ has dealt with the sin issue. But today people are just killing themselves because they allow Satan to dis- to destroy them. Okay, we come to verse 12. This is interesting because now... The Lord would also give instructions how if one of the towns of the Israelites or if the Israelites hear that one of the towns (laughs) that the Lord is going to bless them with, if there is a troublemaker there, i.e. someone such as a false prophet who is trying to entice them away from the living God, that town also would have to deal with God's punishment. Let's take a closer look at these verses, beginning here with verse 12. If you you hear it said about one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you to live in, verse 13, the troublemakers have arisen among you and have led the people astray, essentially if there are troublemakers in one of the towns and if these troublemakers want to entice the Israelites to go worship other gods, in verse 14, investigation has to be carried out and if upon the investigation it turns out that it is true, That there are troublemakers there leading people astray. Verse 15 is a punishment. You must certainly put to the sword all who live in that town. This was serious. The Lord wasn't going to have one person or two persons lead people astray. Wow. So, uh, boy, every person in that town was to be killed. Hmm. And then the plunder is to be gathered. We will, as we proceed in the Old Testament teaching, especially when we come to the book of Joshua, we will learn how this principle is in operation and how uh, some of the towns were accused of uh, worshipping false gods. But upon investigation, it turned out, To not be the case, and these guidelines saved some of the towns. We will learn that when we get there. Okay, so the rest of these verses, verse 16, all the way to the end of uh, chapter 13 here, is just talking about how the town that is found guilty of essentially worshipping a false god, would remain ruined forever. Wow. Never to be rebelled. It was a curse. So in verse 17, we are told how if the punishment is carried out against the town or city that is found guilty of worshipping a false god, once that punishment is carried against them, God's anger would be appeased or God's wrath would be satisfied. Okay? And then um, God would bless them for carrying out the final judgment against the city that was found guilty of practicing Idolatry or worshipping false gods. Essentially, the Lord was just telling them that if you carry this punishment against this city, then you would appease my wrath and I would bless you because you would serve justice on my behalf. That is what that is saying. And then in verse 18, because you obey the Lord your God by keeping all his commands, I am giving you today and doing what is right in his eyes. That just went on to say that the Lord would bless them if they carried out his commandments by destroying the city that was found guilty of worshiping false God. So that brings us to the end of Chapter 13, highlighting God's dislike of idolatry, God's dislike when his children go astray, worshiping false gods, and that is still applicable to us today. God is not pleased when we turn away from seeking him in every area in our lives, and instead, we turn onto other sources such as unbelievers to seek guidance and direction that does not please the Lord. Especially today, as New Testament believers, we have no excuse. We have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, we should depend on God 100% for all of our decisions. So what are the major principles and applications we have learned from chapters 12 and 13? So I have four major principles out of chapters 12 and 13. Principle number one, obedience. Obedience, obedience. We have talked about this. This is obvious. Obedience to the laws of God fosters his blessings, and it displays how much you love God. I have talked about that over and over, so I am sure you you have it down by now. Principle number two, intolerance for sin and idolatry. We talked about this, how the Lord gave the nation of Israel specific instructions, how when they get into the promised land— They were to demolish the idol worship altars there. Principle number four, God's holiness is highlighted in these chapters. We talked about how God gave specific instructions for the Israelites, again, not to eat the blood from the animals. I explained how this was part of God's holiness to set the nation of Israel apart. The fourth major principle is God gave instructions and specific guidelines on how to deal with a false prophet. We talked about that. So now uh, that brings us to the application So what are the major applications we can learn from chapters 12 and 13? I begin with the first application, which is a big one with regards to a false prophet. I had mentioned that at the end of uh, the chapter, I would talk about that. So before I go over some biblical guidelines to discern who is a true or false prophet, Let us define a prophet, okay? And in the Old Testament time, a prophet was someone, it could be a male or a female, that would speak forth the utterances of God. And a prophet would speak essentially the heart of God. So God would speak to a person either through a dream or a vision or an impartation from the Holy Spirit and that person would would speak forth God's heart to the people so the office of the prophet was a big deal uh it's still a big deal today but especially during the old testament time because Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh so God had to speak through the prophets to The people. So it is important that we understand the guidelines of how to discern a true prophet. So, with that brief background, I have eight. Number one, a true prophet speaking forth God's decrees will always, always point you to God, to Jesus Christ. A true prophet would not take the credit okay so if someone is coming to you and they are claiming thou say the lord and they are pointing you away from the true living god that is a false prophet so today you ignore them we would not stone them to death today but today we would just ignore them as not from god so that was the first guideline Second, guideline to discern a true prophet. Whatever the prophet is telling you, does it exhort you? Essentially, does it edify you? Because a true prophet of the Lord would only say to you what is already revealed in God's word. They would confirm it, they would affirm it, and by doing that they would edify you. They would not bring to you a new revelation, a new knowledge. It would only be knowledge that is already known in the Bible, but they would use that to bring encouragement. Okay, It would edify you, confirm what you already know, but you were kind of doubting or you were wondering. This is so relevant because today we have so many people who would say, oh, the prophet tells me so, so, and so. But it is something that is not even in the Word of God. A true prophet would only reveal to you information that is already in the Word of God. They would bring clarity and that information would edify you. It will affirm and confirm what you already know. Okay. Moving on to the third guideline which is a piggyback from the second one, is what the prophet or prophetess, prophetess is if it's a woman, is it consistent with the word of God, just like what I was telling you? All right. You see, this is critical because the book of Hebrews chap, uh, chapter 1 tells us right away that in the past, God spoke through the prophets. But today, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have the Bible and the Holy Spirit indwelling us. A true prophet of God today is only there to to speak forth the revelation that we already have. Okay, they can speak that with clarity. Like I said earlier, confirming what we already know. God would never, never speak to a prophet outside his word. So whatever a so-called prophet speaks to you about, it has to be consistent with the revealed word of God. If someone comes to you and prophesies something and it is not in alignment with the word of God, then it is not from God. That's how you know that it is not a true prophet of God. All right? And the fourth one or oh, the fourth guideline is kind of what I, I already explained. It should not be a new revelation from God. God has already spoken through the Bible. At this time, the Bible is canonized. We have everything we need to know in the Bible. So the fourth guideline is that if a prophet speaks to you, it is not going to be a new revelation from God. It is an existing information that you already had some Revelation in your heart, but you weren't quite sure, or you've read it in the Bible, but you were still struggling to get the fuller meaning, a prophet may just explain it uh, better to you, give you more revelation, but it is not a new information, okay? Principle number five, or guideline number five in discerning a true prophet— Thus, the information that they prophesied to you gives freedom and liberty. If a prophet is prophesying something to you, that information must give you freedom, liberty. Because the word of God brings freedom. The word of God brings liberty. The word of God edifies, it exalts, it makes you feel. Essentially free from burden, free from worry, free from cares of this world. So a prophet prophesying something to you, that information must promote liberty, not bondage. If the information prophesied to you does not promote liberty and freedom, then it is not from God. Because we serve a God who has given us liberty, freedom to worship him, okay, through Christ. And um, guideline number six, does the prophet or prophetess direct people to himself or to God? If the prophet or prophetess is directing people to himself, then that person is not from God. A true prophet will direct people towards Christ. Okay? And then the uh, guideline number seven is that that prophecy must come to pass. So when someone... Prophesy something to you, don't act on it quickly. Wait, observe, and see. Does it come to pass? If it does not come to pass, it does not matter how consistent it is with the scripture. It does not matter how liberating it is. If it does not come to pass, that was not from God. It was just that person speaking. Okay? And the uh, eighth and last guideline is that if it is a true prophet from the Lord, it will promote spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, as it will draw you closer to the Lord. So I took some time to explain all that because today we have so many people who call themselves prophets, but... Again, the office of the prophet as described in the Old Testament has been fulfilled in Christ. So that office of the prophet is no longer really in existence in the New Testament. But the gift of of prophecy is still in operation. Please listen to this carefully. Do not get confused. The office of the prophet as described in the Old Testament whereby God had to speak through them to the people, that office of the prophet has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus, who is our high priest, who was a prophet from God. And of course, he was also God in the flesh. So that office of a prophet has been fulfilled. However, the gift of of prophecy is still in operation today in the body of Christ we are told that in the New Testament especially in first Corinthians chapter 12 where we are taught about the gifts of the Holy Spirit prophecy is one of those gifts which is absolutely still relevant so today can people still prophesy yes however the prophecy has to fit In those guidelines, I just went over as outlined in the scriptures. So please do not get confused. I really hope that is clear. So moving on to the next major application here. Again, just piggybacking on the whole thing of uh, the prophet. God is after new ideas. Like I said earlier, God is after charisma. There is nothing wrong with that. We have to learn to use wisdom and discernment. Okay, to discern who is truly prophesying as unto the Lord or who is just using their looks and charisma to deceive people. We should not be moved by people's uh, fluency in speech, by people's looks or by people's uh, new ideas. We should pause, evaluate what people are telling us in light or in accordance with God's word. No matter how good looking somebody is, no matter how charismatic they are, no matter how well they can speak, you must evaluate whatever they're teaching you to be certain. It is in accordance with God's decrees as outlined in the Bible. Do not be swayed. Know the word of God for yourself. That way you are not deceived. That is so important. Because we are in the last days and many godly Christians are being deceived because they don't know the word of God. The only way you can come against deception and lies is to know the words of God for yourself and spend time in the presence of God. Which is why I am so glad you are listening to this podcast and you are growing and learning the word of God Okay, and the next application here is that we should have no tolerance for sin. I already explained that. And we should not be curious how unbelievers go about their dealings because that is not our business because curiosity kills the cat. The moment you open yourself to, to be curious about how unbelievers do things, you would open the door for the enemy to plant lies into your soul and that may have the potential to lead you astray. So do not do that. Okay, so avoid the temptation of wondering how ungodly people do their things. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I'm I'm really believing that you've learned a lot from the Lord so far. So, Father God, I thank you these lessons we've learned from chapters 12 and 13 especially how we as New Testament believers can learn and apply wisdom and discernment in discerning who is a true leader or not. Father God there are so many people who are moved by their emotions even though you have told us that we should live by faith and not by sight. Yet, there are many people struggling with just walking by faith. Help us, Holy Spirit, today. Strengthen us so we can be people who trust and rely on you wholeheartedly, Father God. You are such a good God. And I am believing by faith that this prayer is answered in the name of Jesus, Lord. Bless everyone today. Guide their paths. Direct their paths. Guide your decisions. Comfort them, go before them as always. We thank you for you as such a good God. Father God, we have prayed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know this prayer is answered. And everybody says, Amen.
0: Before we go, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's drruthtany dot O-R-G and check out our event page and sign up for one or all of our upcoming events. While there, remember to subscribe to Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching e-newsletters so you can start receiving more life-changing teachings. If Dr. Ruth's teachings are a blessing to you, we would like to know that. So would you please send us an email and let us know? Here is our email address, info at dr ruth. Tanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. You can also find Dr. Ruth's simple and practical teachings on YouTube. Just search for Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and watch Dr. Ruth's Bible teaching videos at your convenience 24-7. Remember, to click the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe. That way, you will receive alerts when we upload more Bible teachings. I am Chris Horam, and may God's abundant blessings chase you today. In Jesus' name, Amen.